Let's go ahead and open up to Luke chapter number 17, Luke chapter number 17, and as you're turning there, let me say this, uh, at the end of the service, before you leave, uh, we have a Mother's Day gift for each and every mother that is here, uh, just a little token that now, in case I forget it at the end, all right, hopefully I won't forget, and I will remind you, but there will be gifts on the way out the door, and uh, those are for uh, the mothers that are here, and just a little token of our appreciation for you. Luke chapter number 17. And we'll take our text here in, uh, in, in verse number 26, Luke chapter number 17, and verse number 26, uh, the Bible says this in Luke 17, 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank. They married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. God, I pray that you would use me this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every uh, heart that's here this morning. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Uh, as we look at our text, you might think, well, it's an odd text, and, uh, and perhaps it is, but I want to focus on that verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And, uh, and listen, there's no doubt about it that we are living in the last days. This text really pertains to the last days. He gives two examples. He talks about Noah, uh, and that would be Noah in the Old Testament, and, uh, and how, uh, how it was that, that people were rejoicing and partying and celebrating, really, and, and for all practical purposes, life was good on the earth. At least so they thought. But the problem was, it may have been good on the earth, but it was not in alignment with God's law. And they found that judgment came as a result of that. And so that took place in the days of Noah. And we know that, of course, if you go back and you can read it in Genesis chapter number 6, and you can read all about that. Uh, then he goes on to the second example, and he talks about the days of Lot. And, uh, and, and Lot, for all practical purposes, if you had read the Old Testament account of Lot's life, you probably would have thought Lot was a lost man. Um, I would have. At least that's the conclusion that I would come to. Uh, but the Bible does tell us in the New Testament that indeed he was a saved man. And, uh, and so uh, there's no doubt about that. But the Bible tells us here in verse number 32, remember Lot's 
wife. And uh, I got two titles. I usually don't even have one title, but I guess I was inspired this week. I was at uh, Heartland, and, and they, they stress the importance of titles. And so I, I came up with two titles. And one is, there's a lot to learn, all right? Uh, that's my first title. Uh, and my second title is Lessons from Lot's Wife. And, uh, and really, there is a lot, there's a great lesson to be learned. Matter of fact, I find it very interesting that the Bible uses both of these men and both of these illustrations and both of these, uh, if I can say it like this, end times uh, to, to give us an illustration. And what I love most about it is that the Bible says, uh, it gives us Noah and his wife. Listen, they were a godly family that lived in a wicked day. And what I want to tell you about that is, listen, you can live a godly life and have a godly home in a wicked day. I love the fact that, that that's included in that passage. What a blessing. But the second example is that of a family that did not live a godly life in a wicked world, in a wicked time, but rather lived a very ungodly life and a very worldly life. And the end result of that, as you may know or may not know, was not a good end result. And the Bible tells us in verse number 32, remember Lot's Wife, I want you to say that with me. That's, the, that's probably the uh, second shortest Bible verse, and you can memorize that, all right? The first one is Jesus wept, all right? Two words. This one's just three words. And so uh, say it with me. Remember Lot's wife. I don't know that I honestly had really cognitively thought about that verse before. But as I was studying and as I was looking over things, that verse uh, popped up. And, and as I started looking at it, uh, I, was, I was thought, boy, the Bible gives us a straight out sentence, remember Lot's wife. And listen, if there's one thing that I hope we take away this morning, it's to remember what happened to Lot's wife? Let's go back to Genesis chapter number 19. Go with me to the Genesis account, the record of it. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 19 will be there. And, uh, and I just want to get, uh, um, there's a lot to learn uh, is our title, or lessons from Lot's wife. And there's many lessons that can be pulled from this passage. But I just want us to pull a few things. And uh, we will not go over the entirety of the story. Uh, but I, I do want to focus here in Genesis. Genesis chapter number 19 and verse number 15. And the Bible says this in, in Genesis 19 and verse number 15. The Bible says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men lay hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. 
Now I want us to take this text and I want to look and just pull a few uh, lessons from Lot's wife because there is a lot to learn. And, uh, and as we think about this story, uh, I want you to notice this. Uh, prior, we didn't read them, but in verse 13 and 14, uh, we'll, we'll go back and look at them a little bit later. But they said, hey, you got to get out of the city. Uh, God, sent, uh, God sent two angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah because it was a wicked place and uh, the perversity of the city was terrible and, and, and everything was just a bad uh, place there in Sodom. When I say bad, I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, bad economically. I'm not talking about bad uh, as in, um, you know, it, it probably was equivalent uh, to, to worldly living and much pleasure and much perversity and probably probably even much riches that were had there. And so I'm not saying bad is in uh, everyone would think all things. Much of the world would say, man, this is, boy, we are living it up and things are going well. But the problem was it did not please God the things that were going on there. And so God sent two angels and said, hey, get uh, Lot and, and get him out of the city. And those two angels, they go down and, uh, and they, of course, they, uh, they get Lot. And I find it very interesting because the Bible says there, and we'll touch on this in verse number 16, that the angels physically had to grab a hold of the hand of Lot and grab a hold of the hand of his wife and drag them out of the city. That's pretty amazing, to be honest with you. And as I look at this passage, I want you to notice this first and foremost, because we are, as the Bible tells us in Luke 17, uh, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And I want you to notice this about verse number 15, that, uh, that they were living, I'm going to call it instead of Sodom, we're going to call it Sin City. They were living in Sin City. Now, I already gave the example, and I want you to understand that, that you can live godly in a wicked world. Noah was a great example of that. Noah, uh, not a perfect man, but, but a, a man and a family that lived for God, though they were mocked, though they were uh, people made fun of them, he preached the entire time that he was building the ark, and they did have a godly family in a wicked day. But we find that is not the case here, and they were, they were living in Sin City. Now I want you to notice this, as I was studying this, uh, I, this is the absolute first time that Lot's wife is mentioned in Scripture. Matter of fact, when Lot is called, uh, or when Abraham rather is called to leave his, uh, his father and, and, and all of that, actually before that, when Terah uh, comes out of Ur of the Chaldees and, and he starts leaving, uh, Abraham is mentioned, and then Lot, his, uh, it would be Abram's nephew, is also mentioned. And I'm just supposing here, and I'm just giving my opinion in this, in this moment, that I think uh, Lot's dad had passed away young. That's why he's kind of included, and he's named in all of this. And I think Abram kind of took him under his wing and felt a responsibility of him for his own child and took him with him. But my point is this, in those references way back in Genesis chapter number 13 and, uh, and, and on, uh, you'll find that Abram is mentioned and Abram's wife, but there's no mention whatsoever of Lot's wife. 
And, and so as you read those, I believe uh, that Lot's wife probably was from Sodom and Gomorrah. I just believe that. And, and we're not going to get into all those details. If you disagree, that's fine. It's really not a big deal. But I, I, as I looked through all of that, uh, I believe that a lot, and the whole story a lot, is yet another message. But I think he met his wife there in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's just my opinion. And, and they got married. And, uh, and as they were there, I want you to notice this, that they were living in Sin City. And so the first lesson that we can learn uh, from this is, is, number one, don't live in Sin City. Don't live in Sin City. Now, I'm not telling you to get up and move. Okay, you cannot move. But listen, you you can live, as I've already said, a godly life in a wicked world. Uh, You don't have to be the product of your environment. Save your spot here and go with me if you're quick and and would like to to first Peter chapter number two. I just want to read a verse in first Peter chapter two and verse number nine. And the Bible talks to us as Christians in first Peter chapter two and verse number nine. And it says this, it says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now he's talking to Christians here. And he's telling them, hey, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Hey, listen, that, uh, that once, as the Bible says in Ephesians, we used to walk and live in sin. We used to live according to the world. We used to live according to the standards and ways of the world. But listen, after our salvation, God ought to change your life. And now, uh, after salvation, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And listen, we ought to live a holy life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you and died on the cross for you. They sang that song, Somebody Loves You cares for your soul. Hey, listen, nobody ever cared for you like Jesus Christ cared for you. You think of the best person, a mother's love is probably the closest to that of the love of God, but I'm telling you, the love of God extends even beyond that uh, because he was not related to you and he still loved you and said, you know what? I'm going to take and I'm going to go to the world and I'm going to live a sinless, perfect holy life amidst a wicked world. And he did just that. Then he went to the cross and he died on the cross. I've often said this verse, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. A wage is something that you earn. In other words, if you go to work all week long and you get to the end of the week and, and, and you say, uh, man, I'm, I'm ready for my check and, and your boss says, oh, I don't have the money. You're going to be mad. And rightfully so. I would be mad. Uh, you know, you, I, I didn't just work all week so that you, you could not give me nothing. And, and listen, the Bible equates our sin uh, as, as kind of like our work. And then that wage of that sin, because of our sin, our payment is death. 
Now set that aside for a minute. Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Therefore, he did not deserve to die. There was absolutely no reason for him to go to the cross. He did no sin of his own volition. He, he, did not, he lived a perfect life. The Bible tells us that very plainly. So then the question begs to be asked, why did Jesus die? He went to the cross to take your sin and my sin upon himself. And he gave himself a sacrifice to die in our place so that we would not have to. Praise the Lord, three days later, he rose from the dead. He rose victorious, and he ascended up into heaven, and he offers us that gift, that free gift of eternal life, and he offers it to you today. He wants you to be saved. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why, because he loved you so much. He said, hey, I'm going to take the penalty of those people, and I want them to, to accept that free gift of salvation. Listen, if you've not asked him to save you, if you've not accepted that free gift of salvation, hey, today's the day. Why, why put it off? Don't, don't delay. Uh, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And listen, after you're saved, the Bible says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. I, I confess to you, I know very well what it is to be a peculiar person in a strange land. I lived in Peru, South America for many years as a missionary. And I tell you what, I didn't match skin color. I was a minority. And I, uh, the things that I did, and uh, they didn't fit culturally. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I had to learn culture. I remember uh, a missionary friend of mine, he, he said one day he was, uh, it was Sunday morning, and he had his church, and he opened the door, and he was out there, and he was sweeping the walkway. And, 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 uh, and somebody come by and said, he was a church member, and said, listen, Pastor, listen, a missionary, you really, you cannot sweep the walkway on Sunday morning. He's like, what do you mean? I just wanted to be clean. He's like... Uh, people are going to interpret that as you're sweeping them away and they don't want, they, they, you don't want anybody to come. And so I'm just saying, we scratch our heads because culturally that's different. Hey, listen, the world is going to scratch their heads at us. Why don't you go to a bar? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? The things that are culturally accepted in the world are not culturally accepted to God. And he's made us a peculiar people that are going to live different, that are going to walk differently than the world does. And what I'm trying to tell you is, listen, don't live in sin city. You may be physically located in a wicked place, but don't be a product of your environment. Be a product of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that dwells within you and allow Him to manifest Himself in your life, in the way you live, in the actions and things that you do. Your life should be different. We find that Lot and his wife, by the way, she's never named in Scripture, lived in Sin City, but they didn't just live there, they lived just like Sin City. They, they matched everything else. And listen, I'm just telling you that you can live a, 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 a godly life in a wicked world. 
Another illustration I have is our home. We always had an American home in Peru. And, and I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just telling you, when you walked into our house, intrinsically, there were some things that were Peruvian. There's just no way to get around it. For example, we didn't have hot water in the kitchen. We didn't have hot water in the bathroom. There wasn't a hot water in most places. And you, you would not, don't ever drink the water out of the tap in South America, okay? Just don't do it. All right. So that was that was things you couldn't get away from. But but the way our house, when you walked into our house, it, it was a, like a little America for our family. And, and we spoke English when we walked in our house. And, and, and why do we do that? Well, because we're, we're American by nature. And, and so uh, we you know, we would do that now when we had Peruvians and we'd speak Spanish and, and things like that. But but we we maintained a little American house. You know what? As much as we could, uh, we'd have pizza. We'd have mac and cheese, even though it hardly existed there in Peru, South America. And and yeah, we ate beans and rice and we ate some of the natural foods as well. But but we generally just kind of maintained the American home as much as we could. And what I'm telling you is you can maintain a Christian home in a wicked environment, it is possible. You can pray and read your Bible, and you can spend time in the Word of God. And listen, the Bible tells us, uh, as we're thinking about, as the Bible says, remember Lot's wife, we're thinking specifically about her. And the Bible says this in Titus chapter number 2. Go with me to Titus chapter number 2, if you would, and, and save your spot in Genesis as we'll be back there. And we're talking about mothers, and we're talking about remembering Lot's wife. And the Bible tells us this in Titus chapter number 2, and verse number 3. He gives us some instruction. The wonderful thing about the book of Titus is he's giving us much instruction on the home. Boy, if there's one thing that we've lost in America, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but the home structure has almost disintegrated in America. And I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just telling you that the reality is uh, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to find a home where a mom and a dad are married and, and they have children and that's, that's a home. Uh, most of them are uh, this boyfriend or that boyfriend or this many marriages later and, and things are blended and mixed. And listen, that's just the culture in which we live. And, and I, want, I want to help people out of that as best we can. And, and listen, uh, I, know people, I know lives get messed up in the world. I get that. We want to help we want to be a blessing. We want to be an encouragement. We want to put your life back on the right track. And the Bible says here in Titus chapter number 2, he's talking about uh, the home structure. And he says this in Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 3, The aged women likewise, that they, uh, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
The whole idea of this passage is that the Word of God is obeyed and understood and followed in the home. And the list of things that he gives there is this, this is what he's saying, hey, that the older women, the more uh, the mature women in the Lord who love the Lord, who have been through those things and can look back and say, hey, here's what I did, that they would instruct the younger ladies. That's what he's saying. Look at all the categories that he says. Uh, he gives them several things there. Uh, and and I, I could preach a whole message, but we won't. Uh, the three areas in verse number three uh, is to be care for self. In other words, to be sober. And that is sober as in not drunk, but it's also sober as in to be aware of what is out there in the world and what is going on today. And so a care for self. Uh, there, there's a, a care for the spouse to love their, uh, their husbands. And then there's a care for their sons and daughters that they would love them. And, and listen, some of those things, okay, most of, none of those things are taught in the world. And if they are taught, they are, not a, they are so far removed from what God wants for us that we need to take a fresh look at what God expects and how a home ought to be defined and how a wife ought to, uh, ought to take care of her home and, and her children and, and, and all of that. You notice there, the Bible says that the word there um, in verse number two, uh, the age of women, no, verse number three, excuse me, verse number four, Five, it's in five. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. I don't have time. We're not going to go through and define all of these things. But I will say this. It, in, in, I remember in my day, it was, there was still a thing. It was called a homemaker, a homekeeper. And that's what the wife would check many times. And, and it seems like our society and our culture has looked down and frowned upon that so much that it's an embarrassment in the world today to say, I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm a keeper of the home. That's what the Bible instructs us to do. And listen, I'm just telling you uh, that that's the model that God provides. And it's not a, uh, I, listen, that is a full-time job in and of itself. It really is. And I'm just saying that uh, the Bible is very clear on that. And that, that I'm not saying you can't ever work outside of the home, but I'm telling you this, that God's first priority for, uh, for the, the mothers is to keep the house. And, uh, and much of that falls on the women. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but when, when, if you had kids, if you've had children, and I'm talking mom and a dad, and, and I'm, I promise you all the mothers are going to agree with me here. The first time you had to leave your precious baby with just your husband at home. Am I telling the truth? Why is that? Because women are just naturally made for caring for their children. That's the way God designed it. And I'm just telling you, that's just a natural thing. My kids never liked it when mom left because I don't cook. And if I do cook, man, it is just not good. And I'll amen that too, because I don't even like to eat what I cook. I don't even like to cook. But I'm just saying, hey, listen, that is the role of mothers. And I'm just telling you, uh, Lot, Lot and his wife uh, lived 
in Sodom. Uh, They lived in Sin City. And listen, I'm just assuming, because we don't have all the information, but we know they lived right there, that they embraced the culture and society of the day, and that everything that, that was done in Sin City was probably more or less done and part of the life of of Lot and his wife. And the Bible tells us, remember Lot's wife. So my first thing, the first lesson that you can learn is don't live in Sin City. You You can be in the world, but not of the world. Noah, again, was a good example of living a godly life in a worldly environment. Not only that, but I want you to notice this in verse number 16. The Bible says this back in Genesis chapter 19, back in our text. Verse 15 is don't live in sin city. Verse 16 is don't linger in sin city. Look with me in verse number 16. The Bible says, and while he lingered. You say, see right there, Lot, Lot was lingering. Wait, 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 finish reading because there's more. The Bible goes on, it was not just Lot that was lingering. The Bible says, and while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being, boy, you ought to underline this phrase, and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Boy, God is so merciful to us. Listen, they were, both of them were lingering in Sin City. In verses 13 and 14, we didn't read them and we won't forsake a time, but, but listen, there was instruction given that they were said, hey, you better get out of Sodom. You better get out of Sin City because the Lord is going to destroy it. He's going to rain uh, fire and brimstone from heaven and he's going to totally destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and here they are. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, if somebody were to rush into this building this morning and cry, hey, there's a fire, you need to get out. Man, I tell you what, I'm not going to linger. Now, I'm, I'll be a responsible leader. I say, hey, let's start getting out, and I'm going to try and make sure everyone gets out. But I tell you what, if there's nobody else around, man, I'm out of here. I'm not lingering. Why? Because why play around with fire? Why play around with a deadly situation? And this is a legitimate deadly situation because the angels of God came and told Lot and his wife said, Hey, get out of Sin City. Get out of Sodom because the Lord's going to destroy it. And we find in verse number 16, Hey, they're standing there and they're lingering. They're saying, Is it really going to rain? fire and brimstone. Is God really going to destroy Sodom? Is it really that bad? Or is the angel just, is he exaggerating? Them angels, man, they have a way of exaggerating righteousness and holiness and godliness. And they're just overemphasizing that stuff. And it's really not that important. And they were lingering. They were hanging out. They were not acting on what they heard and were warned about. And I'm telling you this, don't live in Sin City. Don't linger in Sin City. 
The Bible says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Hey, listen, we need to be obedient to the word of God. Hey, when God speaks to our heart about something, don't linger in your lifestyle and say, well, I don't know, you know, that holiness and church and that's all overrated and, and you know, the righteousness and I don't know about all of that. Hey, listen to me, don't linger in Sin City. Don't keep holding on to it and say, well, I'm not 100% convinced about that. Hey, listen, you better heed the warning of God. The angels came and they were warning Lot and I'm grateful that God was merciful and sent those angels and he physically grabbed onto the hand of Lot and grabbed onto the hand of his wife and drugged them outside of the city because of God's mercy. But I'm telling you this, God didn't have to do that. But he did. And I'm telling you this, don't linger in Sin City. Don't hang around. Hey, be obedient to the Word of God. When God tells you to do something, do it and follow what God has, wants you to do. Be obedient. The Bible says in James 1.22, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. In other words, well, you know, I go to church. And I listen to the messages, but it doesn't move us. And we don't obey. And we're deceiving ourselves, thinking, well, we're okay. But we're not moving. We're lingering in Sin City. Lot's wife teaches us don't live in Sin City. Lot's life teaches us don't linger in Sin City. Sin is destructive. I don't know what it is that ties you to the world, but I'm just telling you, that remember Lot's wife. Don't linger in Sin City. Look with me in verses 24 of Genesis chapter 19. You'll notice in verse number 17, they were commanded, look not behind thee. In verse number 24, the Bible says this, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities and, and that which grew upon the ground. Verse 26 is probably one of the saddest verses in Scripture. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife, she lived in Sin City. She didn't just live there, she dwelt, she inhabited in Sin City. She lingered when she was told to leave. She was told, don't look back. And you know what she did on her way outside of the city? She looked back. The Bible says she was turned to a pillar of salt. And she died. She was gone. Listen, why did she look back? I think there's a lot of reasons. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us straight up what were the reasons. But I think one of the things is she refused to let go of the lifestyle and the things that were there in Sodom. And, and it goes hand in hand with her lingering. Like, I know God told me to do this, but do I really want to do it? And it was that indecisive lingering that caused her, 
as she was being, A, drug out of the city, but then actually going up into the mountains to turn around and take one last look that said, what could have been if I stayed? Is God really going to destroy the place? And, and she didn't let go of the things of the world. She had to look back. There's lots of reasons. You could come up with a zillion reasons why she looked back. But the bottom line is God said, don't look back. Don't go, don't, don't, don't turn your mind there. Don't think about that. And, and Lot's wife loved Sin City. Her passion was there. Listen, not only should we not look back because it's indicative of not letting go, it's indicative of wondering, well, what could have been if I would have stayed in the world? Forget it. Who cares what, you know what you could have been? You could have been a drunk in an alley. You could have had a broken home. You could be in jail. You, you could be, who, why look back to that? There's no sense in that. Looking back loses the future. We're told to remember Lot's wife. Can I tell you something? She had two daughters that were taken out of Sodom with her. Her, her home was right there. Her responsibility were those children and her, wife, and her husband. And you know what? She looked back to what was. And, and she had children in Sodom. She had, she had daughters who had grown up and gotten married. They were left behind. And, and listen, the idea there is, is they were, I, I know it's painful. I'm not saying it's not painful. But the reality is she had future right here under her wing. And she disobeyed God in looking back. And in looking back, she lost the future of what could have been with her two children. Don't look back to Sin City. Don't live in Sin City. Don't linger in Sin City. Don't look back to Sin City. Because I'm just telling you, you will, you will lose your future. Look forward with me. In verse number 36, we'll not go into great detail here, but I do want you to see this. Don't leave a godless heritage. Look with me in verse number 36. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. That's a sad verse. That's a sad verse that exists because Lot's wife lived in Sin City. She lingered when it was time to leave. She looked back and she left a godless heritage going forward. She lost her future. And we find that both of Lot's daughters became pregnant through an incestuous relationship. And there was a godless heritage that was projected forward. Verse 37 talks about the Moabites. The Moabites were people that were often antagonistic to God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. And listen, uh, listen, the world and, and sometimes Christians who have uh, left the faith and not followed God are some of the most antagonistic people to other Christians. I'm just telling you the truth. The Moabites were antagonistic to God's people. 
caused all kinds. They battled with them. They warred with them. The next verse, 38, talks about the Ammonites. Listen, they're not held in a good light in Scripture either. There's a sad commentary on how they too were antagonistic against Israel. Can I say this? It didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. Noah gives us a good example. Noah's wife gives us a good example of a family that lives godly in a wicked world. But the Bible tells us, remember Lot's wife. When you leave here today, remember these four things. Don't live in Sin City. Don't linger in Sin City. Don't look back to Sin City And then the last one, don't leave a godless heritage, leave a godly heritage. Teach your children to follow God. Teach your children to walk with the Lord. Teach your children that church is important. Teach your children that God is the most important thing. Live a godly life in this wicked world. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Maybe you're here this morning. And I've preached to saved people. I've preached to those who are born again. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never accepted that gift of eternal life that He wants to give me, but I would like to today. Why don't you do that today? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as easy as receiving a gift that somebody would give to you on on your birthday. It's as easy as receiving a gift that somebody would give to you any other time and just calling upon him and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I want your gift of salvation. And trust him today with your life. Maybe you're here. Maybe, just maybe you're lingering. Maybe you're living in Sin City. You say, Preacher, I I recognize that. I, I don't want my life, I don't want my children to have a godless heritage. But I want my children to have a godly heritage. Maybe you're lingering. Maybe you're looking back. Maybe you just want to say, God, help my home to be a godly home. Whatever the Lord leads, the altar's open. As the piano starts to play, if God's spoken to your heart, why not make your way to the altar? Why not bow in your seat right where you're at and pray? Say, God bless my home. Help my children. Help me to walk with you. Help me not to linger in Sin City. Help me not to live in Sin City. Help me not to uh, look back to Sin City. Help me to have a godly heritage going forward. As the piano plays, the altar's open. Maybe you'd say, I Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to, I want to receive that gift of salvation. We don't want to embarrass you, but you're welcome to come and we'll have somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. 
If you're a lady, we'll have a lady show you. If you're a man, we'll have a man show you. The altar's open.